talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. I am your social worker with a microphone. Good morning. It's Voice America with me, Catherine Zox, and Lauren Beller Blake. Lauren Beller Blake. <laughs> Good morning, Catherine. Good morning. How are you this morning, Lauren? I'm ready. It's been a nice, relaxing morning. Ready Good. to go. Good for you. Relaxing morning. It's too early to have a nice, relaxing morning. How was Thanksgiving? Too early to have a relaxing morning. My Thanksgiving was good. It was different, but it was good. You had Thanksgiving, yeah. It was different. You know, it's not the typical ones that we've had the past, you know, lifetime, but the past, this was good. It was different. I think there are no t- typical Thanksgivings anymore, and we have a guest on this morning who's going to talk to us about that. Not necessarily, Lauren, Thanksgiving, but holidays, Christmas holidays, Thanksgiving holidays. Anytime that the families get together, families are different now. The makeup of families are different. Four generations of people in the family getting together with all different kinds of uh, agendas. Uh, so uh, we have uh, who? No, it's not Karen. Who is, no, that's not this morning. Oh, <laughs> no. This is another guest that we're going to have next week. I'm oh, ahead of the... You're confusing your weeks and your guests. I'm confusing my weeks and my guests. All right, so I want to tell you who the two guests are so we can get everybody excited about that. But one of them is Marshawn Evans. don't know if you've heard of her, but she was on The Apprentice. Uh, she's written a book, Skirts in the Boardroom. Uh-huh. Uh, I read very... the book. Do you? I re- yes, I've heard of the book. I haven't yeah. read the book. Very successful entertainment attorney, um, uh, very high-powered, attractive, bright, you know, all that kind of stuff. And she's just come out with, with this book, Skirts in the Border and How We Can Get Ahead. And uh, the other one is Karen Brody. And uh, Karen has written a book on birth. Um, and I always find this fascinating. On um, Childbirth, you mean? Childbirth, yeah. And uh, her book it's called birth and um it's taken off in different directions other than just writing this book because her main um what's the word her, uh, her i want to say platform but what she writes about is the fact that there, women who are not high risk mothers uh have these births that in high risk you know treated like high risk sick patients and so their birth experience turns out to be anything, you know, I mean, they may have healthy babies, which is a positive thing, but terrible birth experiences, and women don't have to do that. Women can have really positive birth experiences, and that's what it's all about. That's kind of, it's much more complicated than that, but we'll talk to Karen about that later. Okay, sounds interesting. Yeah. So you always I, have surprises for us. Do, yeah. <laughs> Are you surprised? Here's a surprise. Tell me what you think about this. If you heard about this, Lauren, this is like really interesting, and I keep seeing it. I saw it in our local paper. I may have seen it in the New York Times. Not sure, but they are. They they did a study um, in. I think it was, it was a Norwegian study, and uh, they found that breast cancer tumors in women, in many women, go away on their own, left untreated, that they don't necessarily have to be treated. That's amazing. That doesn't surprise me, but it's amazing. I mean, have you read about that? No, that's brand new information. 
Yeah, because they did this study. This is really interesting. Um, researchers, and I want to read you this because this is really important for women. Even though we're not on the Women's Channel, I don't think we can get away from not talking about issues that are important to women, or at least I can't, right? Researchers of this controversial article um, note um, that in this study, American and Norwegian researchers compared the number of breast cancers found in more than 100,000 Norwegian women who were screened every two years with a roughly equal number who received only one mammogram after six years. Women with cancer who are screened more frequently could be diagnosed earlier. Okay. But the two strategies should find find about the same number of cancers, authors say. Yet doctors actually found 22% more breast cancers among the women who got more frequent mammograms. That's amazing. Okay, that raises the possibility that mammograms found cancers that eventually went away and never needed to be treated. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. So, in other words which is interesting. I mean, it makes sense because there are, you know, I mean, you think about all those other things that, you know, you have aches and pains in your body and, you know, all kinds of stuff. That is amazing. It takes care of itself in many ways. Yeah, it heals itself. Absolutely. Yeah, so... um, And sometimes I think it needs a little help, like eating well, you know what I mean, more more veggies. I'm craving veggies these days. Are you? I need to eat it. You know, I think I, I listen to that craving. Well, I think that's true. If you eat well, you sleep well, all of those kinds of things. But if you keep having, and I'm not saying don't have mammograms, but if you keep having mammograms and they find something, they do something and they treat it when maybe it doesn't necessarily need to be treated, it will go away on its own. I guess the problem is they can't detect which tumors will go away on their own and which won't. That's Well, that's the next step in the research. Yeah. Isn't that fascinating? Totally fascinating. Yeah. I think our bodies are amazing. Yeah. Women's bodies are amazing. So, anyway, I had the best Thanksgiving that I've ever had. Really? Yeah, well, we what made to, it so? Well, because I think everybody acted very grown up and everybody wanted to have a good time and we didn't get into all those family battles. Went to my brother's for, for, uh, for the actual Thanksgiving dinner. It was wonderful. He cooks a mean turkey. He's really getting good at it these days. Nice. And then we went to New York, Barry and I, and met my kids, three boys in New York City. And boy, we, we saw, we just did it all. We had such a, we went to the Philharmonic. We went to, we saw In the Heights. That's one of the new musicals that's, uh, um, it was a really fun play. We had a really good time. Ate and drank and, uh, I just went to the Guggenheim. <laughs> I just did everything. Listen you know, all to my, you. Yeah. So what did you uh, do? Have Thanksgiving on Thursday and then went to New York on Friday? Yeah. And just spent three days there? Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. You know, your life is so decadent. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, but, my dear, you just had a baby. See, when I was at your stage, I was like, oh, am I ever going to be? I mean, I loved it, and I loved the babies, and I loved doing stuff, but I used to think, boy, I would just like to be able to take off and do what I want to do. But you did that, too, because you've done it in a different time frame. Yeah, you... it's different. yeah, it's true. It is different. It's just different. And it's interesting because Sierra and I, we, this week we're home alone, which is typical for us, but we do things. It's sort of fun. It's interesting. I had We did have company for Thanksgiving, and our company left saying, your house is so peaceful. It was such a peaceful Thanksgiving. And, you know, their kids, they had two kids crazy running all over the house. I was like, do not let Sierra see this behavior, you know, craziness. But um, it was interesting, their perspective. They were, they just were, I could tell, sort of craving that quietness. And Sierra is such a, you know, she's such a quiet, that's not the right word. She can be crazy and, you know, obnoxious, yet at the same time, she's just a really 
grounded, quiet, um, calm. Calm is a good word. Yeah, she's not always quiet. Is not. What your friends were they? Were they boys? The kids? One boy and one girl. The yeah. boy was Sierra's age, so it, we had two almost three year olds and um, one six year old. Was he a wild man? Wild man. I mean, we found him outside. He left the house when nobody knew it. Crazy. Crazy. Well, I have to, I'm going to defend him because I, boys are, <laughs> three year old little boys, I just, I identify with them. I always, I mean, th- three little boys at that age, oh. they were always crazy. I found him outside, as hanging from the roof, and yep, the ceiling. Was he was flying off the back of the couches. Yeah, so, exactly. Crazy. But he will grow up. And he will be calm, and when he's in high school, he's just going to be so cool, and the girls are going to be nasty. Oh, <laughs> no way. Not Sierra. <laughs> I'm tell- you know, it's just that testosterone. Give him a, give him a break. He can't help it. I just, well, yeah. it, was cur- it was funny. So, yeah, I, so, and then, you know, the next couple of days we went to the zoo, so we did have fun. She's a, she's a really good get-up-and-go, and yet she's a little homebody, too. She wants, sometimes she just wants to stay home and chill, which is nice. Oh, so that was nice. So you guys had the whole week together. We did. Nice. Very nice. Uh, you relaxed. And she's in school. She's in school. So you get to, you know, and you travel. You do. Tell me, so everybody wants to know, you know, I always talk about what you're doing and, and um, going, uh, well, you've done a lot of presentations and stuff, and I, we start to talk about it, but then we never get into it. So tell me, where are you speaking next and what are you speaking about? Well, you know, I have a lot going on, Catherine. Um, right now I'm doing a lot more speaking with women's groups, which has been sort of the, as I'm ending 2009 and entering 2000, and we should say something, next week is our annual goal-setting teleclass, and we do it every year. It's our seventh annual, so that's a, te- a teleclass online about goal-setting. But next year I'm really looking at speaking for Entrepreneur groups, any place there's entrepreneurs, I'm I'm booked, you know. So that's where I'm focused, and it's I'm looking at small groups, large groups, and the goal is really focusing on entrepreneurship and being successful in this economy. Well, that's what our guest is going to be talking about. We're talking to Lauren's talking about Big Fish Nation. Big Fish Nation. Go to bigfishnation.com, and if you want Lauren to speak, if you love listening to her on the radio, you also will love seeing her in person because she's good looking and she speaks well, and she's got a lot to say. I do have a lot to say, and I just yeah, a lot of stuff going on. Not just speaking, but writing. A lot of writing happening. This new this goal setting website's being worked on. Just a lot of projects. I feel like there's an abundance of unfinished and half-started projects right now. So, But what you're saying is, Lauren, I think there's going to be a big challenge in this economy because I am starting to feel the economy sinking and tanking. I mean, and, you know, trying to make money in this economy and women trying to make money and entrepreneurship, it's going to be a huge challenge because, you know, when we were in the city, New York City, folks, that's what I'm talking about. When we were in New York City, we went to some, like, you know, great restaurants and stuff, and I just started to notice, you know, the restaurants and, they're half quiet. Full. They're yeah, quiet. They're ha- yeah. quiet, half full. Uh, you know, uh, no matter what type they were, and we went to different well, bistro type. We went to, and then a real fancy one. But all of them had that kind. Of, they were really attentive. I mean, customer service just like gets so much better when the economy tanks. But uh, I really noticed in New York that things are just a lot quieter, and this is like the the busiest season from Thanksgiving to Christmas. And it was just it was quiet. It was yeah. nice, but I don't think that too. Uh, even here in Austin, I'm noticing the restaurants not enough that we go out often. We went out last weekend, and it was half empty. Yeah, half empty. That's exactly what it is. got to take a break. We have 20 seconds left. Uh, Lauren Beller, Blake, Catherine Zox, 
and Voice America you're listening to. Don't go away because Lauren and I will be back in a minute. Voice counts. Call toll free 1 866 472 5787. 1 866 472 5787. VoiceAmerica.com. If you want to put the pep back in your step, Chad Lafferty's has just what you're looking for. Dance is life. Life is dance. It's only about dance. It's about moving through life with style, gaining awareness of the never ending, ever flowing movement that accompanies all of life's activities. Dance is Life, Life is Dance, broadcast every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Radio Network. Be sure to tune in and tap into the limitless healing that dance can provide. Can't stop now. This isn't silence. It's nothing. Every year, a million families lose their homes to foreclosure because they do nothing. If you've fallen behind on your mortgage, do something. Call 1-888-995-HOPE. That's 1-888-995-4673. Because nothing is worse than doing nothing. A public service announcement brought to you by NeighborWorks, the Ad Council, in this station. Keeping families together whole and healthy is sometimes a serious challenge to parents. And when there's a crisis, where do you turn for help? Right here. The Parents' Hour with Dr. Arlene Kerman. An open and frank forum covering both legal and social issues surrounding our kids. Tune in for the Parents' Hour with Dr. Arlene Kerman every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Radio Network. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back. Thanks for joining us this morning, early in the morning. Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. And Lauren Beller-Blake, we are on Voice America. And uh, as promised, uh, joining us this morning is Karen Brody. She playwright and author of Birth and founder of Bold, which shows women how to give birth boldly. I love it. And I just have to read this little piece to you. Hailed as the Vagina Monologues for Birth by women's health expert, Dr. Christine Northrup, over 100 performances of Karen Brody's critically acclaimed play, Birth, has so far taken place as part of Bold, a global arts-based movement inspiring communities to create childbirth choices that work for mothers. I love it. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on this morning, Karen. How are you? Thank you, Catherine. I'm great. It's uh, Well, you are doing what I would have liked to have done because I have so much to talk to you about. Anyway, but first, tell us, why did you, what inspired you to write the play? And uh, these are, the play is what, stories, stories of different women's uh, uh, experiences, birth experiences, some of them not so good. Yes, there are eight mothers that um, give birth in the play. And, um, you know, I wrote the play because... 
I was very concerned. Um, you know, I was uh, around a lot of mothers who had a high le- level of education, who were considered low risk, and so many of them were having these what I call ordinary bad birth experiences. You know, they suddenly became high risk when they when they got to the hospital, and I thought there's something wrong. And then I began to um, investigate and and just. The statistics alone with the C-section rate at the time, it was 25% and rising. Now it's over 30% of American women are having C-sections. I thought there, there, there are voices there. There are stories, and I, I want to listen to the mothers. I want to put them center stage and give them the microphone. Well, my experience, Karen, was what you, exactly what you're writing about. I have three boys, three different birth experiences, finally end up having a birth experience uh, at the doctor's house and with two midwives, you know, I finally got to the really wonderful birth experience, but uh, I think what happens, with, and it's, it's, this has been going on for so long, it's kind of really disturbing. This is 2008, and doctors are still looking, and men and, uh, male and female physicians, and birth is looked at as an illness, that, there's something that you, women are sick, and it's just an illness and a disease rather than a healthy part of just a natural part of, of life, isn't it? Isn't that part of the problem? Yeah, it's it's very unfortunate. I mean, this this whole um, birth as an illness is not only um, uh, a view of many of the 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 physicians and, and hospital staff that are 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 assisting women to have their babies, but also um, you know the media, um, the television programs we see we see birth as an emergency. Um, all of these things are ingrained in people's minds. So the woman also comes in, comes into her birth with a lot of preconceived notions that birth is an illness or birth is an emergency when, in fact, birth is normal. And uh, that is hopefully uh, what I, I think people will see through my play. And, and Jillian's story, uh, a main character in the play, she's really the spine of the play, sounds very similar to your birth experiences where, you know, the, the first couple didn't go so well, but she eventually got there. She eventually, you know, as she said, went got worked through her birth baggage and sought safe sought um, a safe passage um, for herself into, into a better birth experience. She hired a midwife and she got a, a great birth experience in the end. But but it was a journey. Well, I think one of the differences and the main differences when you go and you go into a hospital and they view you as as sick, uh, the hospital it's, it's all about making the birth. Um, go well for the hospital, and it's not all about the mother. And I think you write about this in the book, obviously, and talk about it. And it was also my experience because uh, I had two midwives. Uh, midwife, mid, the practice of midwifery is all about the mother. It's all about making it a good experience. I mean, you want a healthy baby, but it's all about making it a wonderful experience for the mother. And that's not so when you get into the hospital. Yeah, unfortunately, um, a, a lot of women get uh, dangled this this. Um, you know, the health of your baby, um, which, of course, we all want that. But actually, when you put the mother at the center, the baby is at the center, too, because the mother always puts the baby at her center. So when you're, you're thinking about the mother, she's always thinking about her baby. And, you know, that, that is something that um, in a midwifery-assisted uh, birth, that is uh, a given for, for most of 
most people who experience midwifery care. And it's a, it's a different model of care that, um, unfortunately, for, for many reasons, the hospital situation um, hasn't gotten there. It's uh, a medical model that really doesn't put women at the center. So, well, you're going to change all that, or you are changing all that, which I think is wonderful, not just here in this country, but around the world, actually. I mean, you go into the hospital, they have fetal monitors, you're a healthy mother, low risk, and they put a fetal monitor on you. They, oh, To me, when I was in the hospital, they wanted me to take medication, I didn't want to take it, and you're not really, you're very vulnerable then, and it, when you are giving birth, and you have to kind of stand up for yourself in a situation when, boy, you need people to be helping you, not to be fighting against them or trying to stand up for yourself. So it, it makes it a very precarious kind of um, experience, I think, or it can be when you're giving birth in, in most or many of our hospitals here in the United States. Yeah, um, this is what, absolutely, I mean, I, this is what I'm concerned about, and this is what I want women to know, and at, and at Bold, this is where, you know, we use uh, theater for social change. We use it to raise awareness. And, you know, if, if women start understanding that there are too many unnecessary interventions on mothers giving birth, you know, in hospitals today. And, and if they start recognizing the scripts that are playing in the hospital, you know, the clock that's ticking at her birth, telling her that she has to birth faster, that she needs to uh, be, needs a drug to help her move it along, the fetal heart monitors that are routinely um, women are hooked up to um, and sometimes not allowed to get off of for the entire birth, so they're flat on their back, which if anyone reads anything about, um, you know, uh, good positions for birth, flat on your back is not a great position. It's probably uh, the most uncomfortable position yeah. you could be in. It goes, it defies gravity, doesn't it, Karen? I mean, by the time I gave birth in, in this birthing center at the doctor's house, I was on all fours, like an animal, you know, like animals right. give birth, and the doctor was crawling underneath me, and the midwife is, you know, stroking my back, and they were like doing, con- they were doing the contortions, I wasn't doing the contortions, so that I was comfortable. Right, and, and so you, it's, it's amazing how many women do um, uh, birth vaginally and, and safely in hospitals, which are not high. It's not a high percentage, but it's happening, and it's amazing given that flat on your back and, and all the other uh, interventions are not conducive to uh, a positive birth experience. And what about episiotomies? That's another one. I had a fight for not having episiotomy, and, I'm gonna, and, and I won. <laughs> it sounds terrible, but... Uh, and had two of them before, and the last one, as I say, and then I'm going to at the, this uh, at the birthing center at the doctor's house. It, actually, they took Wesson oil and just kind of massaged the perineum, and that was right. enough. It take, takes a little bit longer, but okay. But you know, when it's over, it, and it, but it was fine. Yeah, well, this is another thing. Actually, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists doesn't support routine episiotomies, yet they're still being done in some hospitals uh, by some doctors, and they're being done uh, many times without women's consent. And this is this is um, a, a huge problem. It's not. It's um, certainly, like I said, American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists has officially said routine episiotomy should not be taking place, and they're trying to educate doctors about this. Um, but, you know, there is a story in my play because I heard this story so much of women being given episiotomies and really um, without their consent. And that, that you know, I, there was a, a lawyer that recently saw the play, a, a woman who works for um, National Advocates for Pregnant Women, uh, who, who said, um, you know, uh, that this is a legal issue. This is, this is sexual violation. 
Yeah, I would agree. I, I, I definitely, I would agree to that. And I think that, uh, well, this is what you're, I, I want to, you know what, I want people to, are we clear about what bold is and what you're doing? Because this is something that is ongoing throughout the year 2008. You are putting on the play, what, throughout the United States? Well, throughout the world, it's the world. really, um, you know, it was, last year it was done in Paris, it's been done in Italy, it's been uh, in, in India, um, but, but actually most of the productions have been in the United States. The play itself is about eight American women and their birth experience, although, as they said in India, you know, many of the themes of the play are still very relevant for women in India, <laughs> and many of the themes are relevant for women in France because, you know, it's, it's really, Bold is a movement, it's a global movement that's trying to use the arts to make maternity care more mother-friendly. And, and have- we're trying to raise awareness and raise money for organizations that are trying to help women to get back to the center of their birth, to be, know their birth options, all of these things that at the moment there's such a lack of this um, uh, throughout the world, but um, it has gotten so much worse in the United States, and that's where the primarily most of the bold events are taking place. So bold is it's a theater for social change. It's it's a model, right? It really well, is a model. We, use, we have two programs. We have um, my play is done um, as theater for social change. So this is really um, you know activism through um, the use of the arts. But we also have another thing that started the year after my play um, was done with Bold, which is something called Bold Red Tents, where we gather mothers to tell their birth stories and to come together and to really uh, begin to heal and support each other um, in, you know, making birth a better place. Because there's many women who have had traumatic births, and there are many women who, you know, there are women who've had empowering births, and we need to learn from each other and support each other. So you want all, all the stories, the birth stories, as you say, the ones that are empowering, and uh, you want both of them. Um, vagina monologues for birth, that's, what, that's, that's, yes. how it's, <laughs> that's how it's been described, right? Give us a website because we, we only have a couple more minutes where we can go to to get more information. Obviously, there are a lot of women who are going to be very interested in this. We should, people should go to boldaction.org, B-O-L-D-A-C-T-I-O-N.org, boldaction.org. And, um, yeah, all information is there. Our, our theme in 2009 is called Pushing Outside the Choir. We're really working at trying to access people who don't know this information and um, doing performances in red tents and communities with, for people who, who need their awareness raised. Karen, when are you going to be in New York or close to New York or Boston? Well, you know, actually, um, uh, in the spring, there's a wonderful woman. She's a labor and delivery nurse who is um, going to be organizing uh, a whole uh, series of uh, bold performances in Harlem and other low-income areas for mothers, um, in, and, and, and also probably in a few other locations throughout New York City. Thanks so much for being on the show this morning. Well, I could have you on for the next half hour. Should have done that. <laughs> that was another yeah. time. Yeah, this was great. Karen Brody, playwright and author of Birth, founder of Bold, uh, which shows women how to give birth boldly. Have a great day. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Catherine. We're going to take a short break. And I'm Catherine Sox with Lauren Deller Blake. You're listening to Voice America. We will be back in a minute. 
Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Go inside the world of PR with PR Insider, hosted by public relations expert Maureen Kettis. Maureen will speak to the world's highest profile PR pros from the fields of marketing, advertising, and sales. And PR Insider will feature renowned members of the media as special guests. Maureen will give you a VIP access pass, including tips and tricks to take your business to the next level. PR Insider with Maureen Kettis, sponsored by Cision, us.cision.com. Listen every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Network. Careful at the party, hun. No alcohol, right? I know, Mom. Seriously, you're still growing, and it messes with your judgment. Yeah, I know. Trust me, you could do some things you don't really want to do. If you're a grown woman, it's different, but you're not. I know, okay? I know. Teenagers know everything. So talk about underage drinking before they know it all. Before they're teens, start talking before they start drinking. And keep talking. Learn more at StopAlcoholAbuse.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. When facing divorce or separation, couples need to leave behind the emotional baggage and stress that obviously remains long after the divorce is final. Tune into Living Passionately, Getting Beyond Divorce. Every week, your host, Lisa Fredette, a certified life and relationship coach, will take you through divorce recovery, relationships, self-discovery, and discovering the law of attraction. The show will offer a strong foundation to help you rebuild your life as a single person. Living Passionately. Getting Beyond Divorce is live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Thank you, Catherine. Good morning. Good morning to everybody.
Well, um, again, thank you for having me on uh, this morning. First in the Boardroom is a woman's um, kind of handbook for how to navigate the corporate terrain. And the Boardroom is really about a place of power, a pinnacle of achievement for your career. So as an attorney, the my Boardroom was really my courtroom. For you, it might be your studio or anywhere that is considered a glass ceiling for you to be able to reach. And so the boardroom is kind of a metaphor for achieving the highest level of success that you can achieve in your career. And, you know, women deal with that every single day um, in terms of dealing with... Well, one thing I have to say, Catherine, is we've made tremendous strides when you look at the new opportunities that are available for women, the fact that you have your own show. Um, but you certainly would love to be, you know, receiving the same compensation that um, men receive, and, 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 and entitledly so. So those are the types of things that women still deal with in terms of challenge and having an equal level playing field. And... You know, we really can't sit around and complain. The guys really don't care too much. So the best thing that we can do is equip ourselves, arm ourselves, support ourselves, and that's what Skirts is designed to do. like the biggest stumbling block for you to get ahead, to, to, to be successful? Personally. I, think the, I think the biggest stumbling block um, for me and that a lot of women deal with is understanding exactly what your gifts and your skills are. Because I think it's hard to, to leverage your talents if you don't know exactly what they are and you haven't taken a self-assessment. And so I kind of start the book, um, start out in the book and Kurt's in the boardroom talking about understanding what you're designed to do, what your gifts are, how you can leverage your strengths. Because in business, that's half the battle in terms of distinguishing yourself. Um, if all things being equal, if you are able to distinguish yourself in terms of knowing what makes you different, I, I call it your unique value proposition, what you offer in the workplace, what you offer to your clients that nobody else can provide. Now, is there, I have to stop you, but Marshawn, is there a difference? I mean, do men not do that, or do they do that differently in terms of how they assess themselves and what's going to put them on the road to success? Is it different for women, I guess? Is the process different? Yes, I think that men are more innate. It, or men are more natural at talking about themselves in a way that they don't. They don't have as big an issue with telling you what they've accomplished, why they're qualified, why they're entitled. They don't have a problem with asking for a higher salary, asking for benefits, asking for um, more than maybe what's initially put on the table. And so, um, women have to be more aggressive and assertive and package package their talents. I call it your tags, your talents, abilities, gifts, and skills. Packaging your tags in such a way as it's more compelling. But you have to be you have to be you have to be willing to embrace that, you know, you have been created with these things before you can go out there and leverage them. So you have to be able to understand what they are, you're saying, number one, and then to be able to just say it, to get it out there. You know, we, 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 what are we, humble? No, I don't think women are humble. What keeps, uh, we? because I think that's a huge problem with women. We, we we're too, uh, humble is not the word. What is it? I don't know. Lauren, can you, th- what, what is the word? What keeps us from being able to get out there and say, hey, I need a bigger, I need a raise, I need more money, I've done this, this, and this, and um, 
I think it's being modest. I speak I to that every modest. day. I mean, I hear women say, I, well, I want to get coaching because I would like to have more confidence. Mm-hmm. I think women are raised to be more modest. Yeah. Modest, yeah. That's the, that's the way in which women have played a role in most societies, not just American society, and, and especially in the business world, because when a woman asks for something or she's aggressive or um, she's often seen as, as rude or, um, or, as a, or called a, a bee, and so all of those are, are issues that we deal with in terms of a complex that we can easily, easily develop. See, I think um, you just hit on something, Marshawn. We've been taught to be modest because if you're not modest, then you're looked upon as aggressive, nasty, not a lady. There's a lot of negative stuff that comes into play there. So you've got to be able to get it out there and be assertive without appearing to be like a she-wolf kind of thing because that's not appealing either in the boardroom. Absolutely, and then try to do all of those things and wearing high heels. And so, you know, <laughs> you know we, we, you know, there's a there is a place for style, there's a place for substance, there's a place for aggressiveness. In my business, I own a, a brand management agency called Edge 3M, and we represent professional athletes in the NFL, the NBA, primarily. And they're they're guys, they're they're big guys. And um, when I started the company, I didn't have any female mentors. I didn't have anybody who would explain to me how to navigate this terrain. But I will tell you that if I walked up to a 300-pound NFL football player and wanted to represent him and I didn't have a certain level of self-assuredness, if he didn't think that I was going to go head-to-head with agents and be aggressive and be assertive, I don't need to be in the business. And so there is a place for it. There's still a place for femininity. Um, I think it's one of the things that's helped our agency to grow um, 400% in the last year um, in a very short period of time. Marshawn, though, I'm going to ask you this because, let's face it, I mean, you're a, you are a, were a finalist as Miss America. And if anybody goes online and looks at you, I mean, you are gorgeous and you have this wonderful figure and, you know, I mean, how does that come into play in terms of the way you talk about these big guys in sports? How do you, you know, I mean, let's face it, they're going to look at you, there has to be some sexism or whatever in the way they, that you, I mean, no matter how brilliant you are, um, how do you overcome that? Am I asking, you know what I'm trying to say? I understand exactly what you're yeah. I think, um, Catherine, it depends on what you lead with. And I lead, uh, I start a conversation, particularly with a potential client with my credentials. I talk about being a graduate of Georgetown University's Law Center. It changes the dynamic of the conversation very quickly. Um, it doesn't mean that I don't get hit on. Um, women deal with that constantly as well. I deal with that being in the sports and being in the marketing arena, being in entertainment. Um, but people will take you seriously if you take yourself seriously. And even just um, learning how to deal with those situations by answering a silly question with a firm response um, usually seems to handle it. But, you know, sometimes we've had to let go of situations, unfortunately, because I didn't feel comfortable and... You know, if you get a client that's not in it for the right reasons, it's going to cause pain for the entire agency. So we don't always go with every client just because they're an athlete or even just because they can afford us because if they don't have the right mentality, then it's not going to work for us. Fortunately, I'm in a position to be able to do that. A lot of business owners can't do that, and so it really does create a challenge, but it's, there's, no, there's, no, um, there's no clear-cut answer as to how you deal with it. You just have to know that you do have to deal with it and not just, just let situations fester. 
Yeah, and from a social work perspective, I see what you're saying is you set the emotional boundaries. You set up the bound. This is the way. This is the way I do business. That's what I hear you saying. And if you're going to do business with me, this is the way we're going to do it. And if you're not, then we're not a good fit. Absolutely. And a part of that is really understanding your brand. And I speak a lot about knowing what your personal brand is. I think for women, it's critical. Part of your, your brand is a product of four things, and I talk about this in Skirts in the Boardroom. Um, the first is your reputation. It's what people know about you. A lot of times when someone meets you for the first time, they've heard something about you or they've researched you online. So what is your reputation already? The second thing is your level of intellect. What do people know about your capacity or your abilities to contribute in a professional environment? Um, that makes a huge difference on how people see the value that you offer in the workplace or to a potential client. It's also about your image. You know, most of communication is about demeanor. It's about having a commanding presence. And if you don't have that, that impacts your brand as well. And then finally, it's about consistency. How the, the way in which you deliver on those other three areas on a consistent basis will determine what people expect when they encounter you, just like when you go to McDonald's, there's a certain expectation that you have when you go to that brand or a fine restaurant. What do people expect when they encounter working with you? And you set that tone right away. Now, we have a couple minutes left, so I want to make sure that, obviously, that uh, listeners can buy the book, uh, go to the website. Let's give them some specific information so that uh, they can buy skirts in the bedroom. What bedroom? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, all right, let me start over. Skirts in the Boardroom, A Woman's Survival Guide to Success in Business and Life. Marshawn Evans, who's also an attorney. Um, Marshawn, so what website can we go to? You can actually go to skirtsintheboardroom.com. It's easily available at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, pretty much anywhere books are sold. Um, but you can also send me an email at skirtsintheboardroom.com. There's a blog on there, a forum where women write, and I, I provide a weekly column. On there, and so women um, oftentimes ask questions that they have in business, and it's a forum for women to engage and support each other. Last thing I wanted to mention on this is that SKIRTS is an acronym. It stands for Sisterhood, Knowledge, Integrity, Respect, Tenacity, and Substance. And that first S of Sisterhood is critically important. The guys have the, um, the good old boys club, and they've been very, very good at working together. Um, women have a wonderful ability to really support and embrace, embrace each other and help each other climb the corporate ladder. Yeah, I didn't mention that in the beginning. You're right. It is an acronym, Skirts in the Boardroom. Thanks so much for being on the show this morning. Thank you. Marshawn Evans, you're listening to Catherine Zox and Lauren Beller-Blake. Voice America will be back in a minute. Don't go away. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. No excuses. No delays. 
If you have goals you want to achieve or changes you need to make, then it's time to take charge of your life with America's change buddy, Nancy Christie. This show will help you lead a more productive and fulfilling life starting now. Take Charge of Your Life challenges you to expand your sense of possibilities. Take Charge of Your Life with Nancy Christie is broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America. Let change be a positive force in your life. Hi, my name is Stanley, and I've been arrested for stealing shoes. I didn't really steal them, but I've been sent to Camp Green Lake anyway. The worst punishment a kid could get. And at Camp Green Lake, we dig holes. Lots of holes. I've only been here a short time, but I think the camp director is up to something. I'm Stanley Yelnats, and I'm covering more than dirt at Camp Green Lake. Explore new worlds. Read my story in the novel Holes by Lewis Sacker. For other great book ideas, visit your local library or log on to literacy.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Are you ready to grow your business? Listen for the Independent Business Owner Show with your coach, Rick Carrado. This entertaining talk radio program will bring you the tools to help increase your business. You'll learn sales success, time management, lead generation, business development, life balance, and much more. Rick Carrado is here to help you take your business to the next level. Listen for the Independent Business Owner Show, heard live every Monday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Network. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back. Good morning. Thanks for joining us this morning. I'm Catherine Zoss, your social worker with the microphone, Lauren Deller-Blake. We've had some two great ladies on the show this morning. Interesting stuff, right, Lauren? Really interesting. I like both of them. Yeah. Did you, have, did you go to her website, Marshawn Evans? I have not been to her yeah. website. Well, I was should... spelling it wrong. Marshawn, M-A-R-S-H-A-W-N. See, I, I need that help. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I can't believe I said skirts in the bedroom. Oh, my God, that was perfect. <laughs> it was such a Freudian slip. It was a Freudian slip. What perfect. can I say? <laughs> it sort of went with the earlier guest. Yeah. Well, I think it's going to be tough for women. You and I were touching on this before we had the guest on, too, because, you know, with the economy tanking and women, even when things are good, women have that glass ceiling and difficulty in the boardroom and, you know, even though women do fairly well as entrepreneurs, when you're talking about the Forbes 500 or the ones who are CEO of companies, they never really get to that point. And now, what's going to happen? I'm going to ask you, what's going to well, happen? I want to say something about the, Go ahead. the um, economy. So the news came out over the weekend, that, or yesterday, whatever day, Monday, I think it was, that it's, we're officially in a recession. But did you see the specifics about it? We're officially in a recession since last December. I want to point something out. How was our past year? And I have to say, my past year was one of my best years yet, top three, I believe. I haven't done the numbers yet, but, um, you know, it's a, it was a good year financially. Uh, so we, and we were in a recession. So but I think now that we've labeled it as a recession, we have to be very careful not to make it worse than it is. 
That was ex- that's what I was going to say. You see, uh, I think you're when just you start- trying to read my mind today. Yeah, but you're right. I mean, Lauren, if you don't know you're in a recession, then you spend your money and you do what you do. And you're exactly. Not- and so says- I think that we have to be very careful about you know not setting ourselves up for oh, it's going to be a hard year, it's going to be a bad year. I'm actually just the opposite. I think women we need to get out there and be more bold about our businesses and more uh, in marketing mode because that will keep us out of the recession. It's all about consumer confidence, isn't it? So, yes, and I think that uh, if, I mean, that's, I'm kind of, if you have confidence in the economy, then you're going to go out there, participate, buy, not be afraid to make decisions or make choices about, you know, being involved, whether it is, you know, buying things or buying houses or taking trips or investing in business and that kind of stuff. So don't, that that labeling thing does can really get in our way. Absolutely. Yeah, it really can get in the way. So you do have to be careful about that. Maybe there, you know, when, when also, but the other part of this is, you know, sometimes when things aren't good, there are those people who know to come in and, and uh, it's an opportunity for many people and maybe it's an opportunity for women to do stuff uh, that they couldn't do before because of, because the economy isn't doing so well. I mean, I can't think of anything specific like, can you? But you know how people who, when the, the stocks plummet, there are those who can go in and buy stocks that are really... And they really, make a lot of money. Yeah. yeah and I think that there's lots of... Um, I spoke to a woman yesterday, and it seems like in our industry, in our I'm sorry, not in our industry, in our economy, there's huge opportunities for people to help and have that be part of our business. In other words, to help and help other people in this economy do better, and that's what our economy needs is more people doing better. Maybe there are businesses to buy. Uh, maybe there's there businesses are... to buy. There's um, there's residential. You know, there's there's houses that need to be bought and fixed up and taken care of. I mean, and those people that are bold in this economy are going to do very well. Do you have any women in in Big Fish Nation who are, are realtors? Uh, I because, do. Yeah. Yeah. Because this is an opportunity, as you say, for that. I mean, absolutely. And, it... and I think there's an opportunity even in commercial real estate because commercial real estate is you when know, people are going out of business, so there's a lot of vacancies. So that's the, usually the time when people don't buy. I think it's the time to buy. I think we're going to see a real switch in the kind of retail in the next ten years. You just have to be careful that just because it's available, if you don't have the knowledge or the understanding of that particular business, let's talk about real estate buying and selling and stuff. You know, you get, can get a in mentor. Trouble. Like, don't do it blindly. Get a mentor. There's so many people that want to help, but also remember that the mentors of ten years ago are going to do things like they did the past ten years. We need to be thinking about what's the next ten years going to be like in retail. So, tell us what is it going to be like? <laughs> I don't know. I just don't think that we're going to see so. Ma- I think we're going to see different kinds of retail. I don't think that we're going to see the you know store after store selling the same shirts that are different colors. You know what I mean? I think that we're going to see more creative, more. Um, experience kinds of things, and that's my own opinion. I'm not a, I'm not face popcorn, <laughs> you know, predicting the future at all. Um, but I do think that our retail space is going to look and feel differently. People are going to use it differently. It's going to be more about experience, more about taking care of ourselves, more health-oriented, more alternative health-oriented. More green planet-oriented, exactly. too. Environmental. Yeah. Environmental. Not- and I think that there's a whole a huge opportunity around um, energy, too, and I don't know what that looks like yet, but I'm, I don't know what that... I mean, I'm hearing my mother said to me the other day that these hydrogen cars are coming out. My cousin's been in working for um, Chevrolet forever, for GM, I guess it is, right? Um, and he says the cars are out, but they're, they can't get the hydrogen to people. Well, hello, you know, huge opportunity for somebody. <laughs> well, it's also about changing attitudes. And I think that's it's also changing what you're everything, talking. but to be okay with it and to look forward 
a couple years, not even, you know. Yeah, it's changing attitudes about the size of the car you're going to buy, uh, as you say, the kinds of the stuff that you're going to buy or that you're not going to buy. So there's a whole attitude change, and I think that added, getting back to, we haven't talked about politics yet this morning, we only have a few more minutes. But Uh-oh, let's get it in. Let's get it in, because I think that whole, that time for change or, you know, that, that uh, Barack Obama uh, represents really is going to take on a whole new meaning and just in everything that we do. I mean, don't you? I mean, Absolutely. Yeah. And I yeah. think we have, even politics, I think, is going to be different. It was, it's going to be different than ever before. It's already different. Barack yeah, Obama said he wants transparency. Well, now you can go to BarackObama.com. He had a list of all of those uh, people in who he has nominated to be in his cabinet and a description of who they are and where they came from. And, you know, there it was. And so... I, and I said to, to Barry, my, my uh, partner, I said to him, you know, Barry, I don't even remember. Sometimes I didn't even know who was in I the cabinet. I said the same thing. I, yes. I never, never even knew the titles. You know what I mean? I, they were just talking heads. Yeah. And, and now all of a sudden they're real people to me. Yeah, you know who they are, you can reference it, you can go back on the net, you can look, and so this is, it's, I mean, he's starting from day one, he's not even the, he's still the president-elect, but giving you the, that kind of information, and which I think is really fascinating. It's really wonderful. Yeah, it is. Why, why don't you hear a little story that happened here in Albany? This is I want to hear interesting. It. Well, I was thinking about politics in Mumbai, which was like a horrible thing, right, oh, that happened. Right. There was a physician here in Albany, it was in our local paper, and he is Indian. Uh, I don't know what kind of doctor he is. It doesn't make any difference. But anyway, he was over visiting his sister in Mumbai. And the whole family was going out for dinner the day that all of this, you know, the, the terrorists took over the Taj, the hotel. They had reserved their five restaurants at the Taj Mahal Hotel, the one that they, the terrorists took over. Yeah. And they were going to go there for dinner. Last minute, his oh. sister oh. said she didn't feel like having whatever the kind of food was at that particular restaurant, and she said <clears throat> she wanted Thai food. So instead, they went to a Thai restaurant. This was in the Albany Times Union today. Oh they God. went to yesterday. They went to a Thai restaurant two blocks down the street, and her nurse, her her niece was sitting there, and she was getting a text message. Someone was texting her saying that there's like a, well, first they thought it was a gang war that was going on at the Taj, then they found out it was terrorists. And so they were eating at the, at the, they weren't there. They were fine. They were fine. And all I said, I said to Barry, I probably, everyone was screaming at the sister, why'd you change the reservations? You can imagine, right? Uh, You know how that works in families. Yeah. And and now, of course, they're grateful and happy. And, uh, well, obviously they weren't in the midst of all that. And I think this physician now is back in town. But what is, that's one of those stories, right? That is a a great story. Yeah. About listening to your intuition and speaking up for what you really want. Yeah, right. She had her, she wanted her Thai food. Maybe she had a sense. You never know about that. I mean, I always think that sometimes people have a sense of what may be happening. I agree. Yeah. But anyway, that's a good story with a great ending. So, and Thank goodness. Yeah, it's the end of our show, too. We, Amazing. <laughs> bye bye. Yeah, it does. Anyway, so um, where are you going to be next? Where am I going to be next? Yeah. Um, it, this next month, I'm pretty much at home not not going anywhere how about you well i'm never at home i, <laughs> I think i'm gonna go to cape cod like this yin, weekend we're like yin and yang <laughs> exactly no i'm thinking about going to cape cod there's a lot going on and they're having some big party stuff out in provincetown i thought hey why not maybe i'll go out there but anyway have a great week my dear and you have a great uh, week too yeah this has been cool and you've been listening to lauren beller blake Catherine zox voice america join us next week 
and it's Wednesdays. Even my family has forgotten that we're on Wednesdays rather than Thursdays, so everyone was calling me this morning. Anyway, I guess we have to say goodbye. But um, so don't, I want everybody to remember that we are on Voice America, and it's 10 to 11 Eastern Time on Wednesdays, folks, not on Thursdays. Have a great week. I'll talk to you next week. Thank you. You too. Yep. Bye-bye.